Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, welcome to the Aging Boomers. I'm your host, Frank Sampson. Of course, on our show, we discuss so many of the issue face issues facing boomers, their parents, and of course, an aging population. Uh, I want to remind everybody that today's show is sponsored by Senior Care Authority, a senior placement and elder care consulting organization that has a national network of professionally trained and experienced local advisors to assist families. They will work with you in determining the right path for you or your loved one and discuss various long-term care options, whether it's in-home care, assisted living, memory care, nursing care, or you just need an advocate to get some advice from. A senior care authority advisor uh, can help you. And so for a free 30-minute consultation with an advisor in your area, you could contact Senior Care Authority by calling 888-809-1231 or you could go directly to their website at www.SeniorCareAuthority.com. I just want to thank everybody for all their support on our, our show. Uh, so many of you have uh, you know, connected either via iTunes, iHeartRadio. I'd have to say probably our greatest growth uh, were those of you that just went on your iPhone or Android phone and downloaded our free app, uh, it's called the Aging Boomers. You could do that and keep up to date on uh, all of our guests and just a wealth of information. So, so thank you for that, and also thank you for your uh, support of uh, my book that came out recently called The Aging Boomers. So, uh, hopefully, you could take a look at that. Uh, it's on Amazon, and uh, you could either get the uh, the full print version or or, or or get it online on Kindle as well. So uh, I want to, um, well, this is going to be very interesting. I'm looking forward to today's guest. Uh, his name is Arthur, uh, I'm sorry, he's an author. Uh, his name is Clay Small. He's a former uh, senior vice president and managing attorney for PepsiCo Incorporated. He is a professor at SMU, Southern Methodist University, located right in the heart of Dallas, Texas. He teaches classes within the Cox School of Business and is also a member of the Law School Executive Committee. Clay has also carved out time to write his first novel, which we'll talk about, Heels Overhead. Uh, His accomplishment of writing a book and having it published is a goal of many of us who uh, uh, on our bucket list to write a book as well. So, Clay, uh, welcome to the Aging Boomers. Thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, so I, I got to ask you, was uh, the book something that was kind of on your list of uh, uh, goals, maybe bucket list goals, or just kind of just popped in your head and you just started doing it? Uh, how, how did that happen? 
Frank, I think it's a combination of things. Um, in the back of my mind, having been an English literature major in college, I always thought that someday I would like to write a book. And as you know, lots of things get in the way of uh, taking the time to actually accomplish that goal. Family, work, it all seemed to squeeze out all the really free time that I had. And when I retired from PepsiCo and began uh, teaching at SMU, I found I had more free time. And the idea of writing a book um, became more appealing. Um, but again, you have to have some kind of thought about what the book will be before you can start writing. And it took me a while to uh, come up with what the book should be. Okay, so y y what's interesting is you've got uh, just a tremendous background, business, law. Um, your book uh, is a book, of, uh, a fiction book, correct? Yes. And and so Absolutely. what what kind of led you to write a book, uh, uh, a fiction versus maybe a business book or you know a book about you know your your experience in the business world and and in law what 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 led you to do that i think a, a novel gives you the opportunity to weave into it an awful lot of those lessons that you're talking about that i learned in the business world that i learned being an attorney for almost 40 years um, and gave me a vehicle to weave those topics in in a context of a more amusing uh, and more readable book than your traditional business book. Hmm. You know, we have a, a number of people listening to this uh, that probably have some thoughts or have had thoughts on writing a book. Maybe this interview can give them some inspiration uh, okay. to, to move forward. What, what suggestions uh, do you have for those who either now are thinking about it, have been thinking about it? How do you prepare for it? How do you, in a sense, uh, I'm sure there was a lot of steps that you had to take, all right, to, to get this done. It's a great achievement. Um, what, 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 what advice do you have? First, uh, people at our age have a lifetime of experiences. And those experiences can be interesting and can be the subject uh, for your writings. And certainly, I used a lot of them in my book. Uh, I spent a lot of time uh, internationally in my job. And so there is scenes in Mexico City and Buenos Aires, which are very factual because I was in those places doing those things and I weave them into the book. So that's my first bit of advice. Don't think you have to come up with some phasmagorical um, idea. You have a lot of it already tucked away in the back of your mind from what you've experienced already. Secondly, be prepared to find time to be by yourself with no distractions, no computers, no cell phones, no grandchildren, and, and times that you have to block out of about 
two hours really to get anything of consequence done. Um, third, um, be prepared to be criticized. And along the way, as, you, as the book gets written, you'll share it with friends and family. And if you don't have a bit of a thick skin, um, you will be um, persuaded that maybe what you're doing isn't worthwhile, you'll become uh, negative about it. Um, but if you take the advice of other people and take their suggestions to heart and be willing to rewrite, because writing is, is not the thing, rewriting is the thing, um, resetting, recalculating what you've written to make a better story. If you take the criticism to heart, it's much easier to accomplish the goal. That's great advice. And, and it was interesting, you said maybe block out about two hours, okay? So mm -hmm. to try to sit there for an entire day and writing, that, that, that's kind of tough. So do it maybe in, in smaller uh, time blocks. Is that what you're saying? That's what worked for me. Uh, I did try, Frank, early on to set aside an entire day to write. And to tell you the truth, I got nowhere. Um, the other thing I would add is you've got to be prepared for those days where you're going to sit there for two hours and you're going to get nothing worthwhile. And there are other days when I would go in for two hours and all of a sudden everything would start flowing and I'd be in there for four and five hours. But there are going to be days that just nothing comes and you, you can't be dissuaded from your goal and you just got to tuck that away and say, tomorrow I'll try it again. Great advice. Great advice. Good. And uh, how did you kind of, did you have an editor or did you have someone in the family uh, review it? How, how did you do that? I started with family and friends. Um, and some of them were wonderful and had great input. Others were afraid to say anything and just said, oh, this is wonderful. Um, no suggestions. So that's one of the reasons I went to Greenleaf. Uh, publishers in Austin, Texas, mm -hmm. because I knew I needed editors and their policies to assign two different editors, and if they're going to publish the book, you have to work with and listen to the editors. And um, that was a very interesting experience for me, um, and I think the book improved dramatically with their input. Um, one was named Tess and the other was named Sally mm -hmm. and they gave me input on some of the women's point of view in the book that I hadn't been clear enough on and I think it gave the book greater context as far as one of the themes is how women and men think very differently and how they reach conclusions very differently and with Tess and Sally helping me uh, I think that became much clearer in the book. Great input. Great input. So you say it's a novel, all right? Yes. But I understand, you know, the main protagonist, uh, his name is Henry Linden in the book. He's a corporate executive. He's turned a law school professor. Sounds a little familiar to the, what, what I, you know, when I was uh, doing the intro on you, so talk to us a little bit about that. Okay. First, 
there's an old saying that you have to write what you know. And I used my experience in business and my experience as a professor for the background for the book. The lead character, Henry Linden, is nothing like me. But he's done a lot of the things that I have done because those are the things I know and I can write about. For instance, I think it's three different chapters in the book have parts that are lectures from Henry's classes. And of course, those are my lectures. And they're the lectures that I think are the most interesting and would be the most interest to uh, the readers. And they set off other themes in the book. And his interaction with students uh, is very real in the book and very specific. That's interesting. So your novel, I mean, it takes the reader from a place in Wichita, Kansas, to Buenos Aires, Argentina. Um, but there's a consistent setting uh, is, is in the classroom at a university. But you've also, you know, woven in some humor um, in the book. Uh, I, I would, I, at least I think so. <laughs> we, we don't know, we, you know, we don't know each other well. But my guess is that's kind of that that's your personality. I would think that you wanted to bring some humor. So what 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 uh, uh, input do you have for those listening? You know about that or. Talk talk to us a little bit about uh, about that. Okay. Uh, again, it goes back to some of my experiences. There are characters, one in particular, whose name is Marvin Linden, who is the brother of Henry, who is basically a very well-off ne'er-do-well, who keeps giving advice to Henry, which is frankly the wrong advice, and Henry keeps listening to it. And Marvin is based on a friend of mine. Um, he's not exactly the same as the, my friend, but I've seen this friend do a couple of things that I think are very, very funny. And I have taken those actions and turned them around a little bit, woven them into different settings, and used them for some of the more humorous parts of the book. But again, my theme is you've got to write what you know, and there's all sorts of interesting things around you. And sure, you're going to have to make them um, a little bit better, a, a little bit more um, glowing than they actually are in reality, but there's plenty of material all around you. So certainly we don't want to give anything away on the book. It's a novel. But uh, when people ask you who haven't read the book, uh, they say, Clay, so uh, what's the book about? So can you share with us just kind of a quick overview? Sure. Uh, it, it tells the story of this man named Henry Linden and his transition from uh, the CEO office of a publicly traded company to what is unfamiliar halls of academia. And as he's making this transition, he is besieged by problems that include his wife's infidelity in Buenos Aires, a dangerous encounter with a complex student, and his own diminishing self-image. He 
is troubled by the fact that he used to be sitting in the chairman's chair of a public corporation, and now he's just walking around campus as another uh, professor. And in the midst of all this, an unwanted figure from Henry's past appears and starts creating problems. We're not sure if he's actually creating the problems, but Henry thinks so, and the novel goes back and forth from these two people. The protagonist is a guy named Guy Wheelis, who is a um, banker in Wichita, Kansas, who Henry had gone to school with. And until the end of the book, you don't know whether Henry is in fact correct about it, or is he just imagining things? So, it, 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 the what, what would you say, kind of going back to your you know preparation for this? What was the main catalyst that kind of brought you to starting to write the book? Was it more your experience in the business world and as an attorney, or was it more your work as a, a professor? Um, what, what, what was kind of the driving force there? Well, both of those you mentioned is where the bulk of the book comes from, those experiences. But Frank, there was a very specific triggering event that started me writing the book. You interested in hearing about that? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. I was sitting in my uh, office and my phone rang and it was a friend of mine who is my age who is a lobbyist in Washington, D.C. And he says, I did it. I got it. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, well, are you at your computer? I said, yeah. He says, well, I'm sending you a picture right now. So I'm sitting there, and the picture comes, and it's the inside of his left forearm where he has had tattooed, I wear the chains I made in life, I forged them link by link. And if that sounds familiar, that's what the ghost says to Scrooge. <laughs> and around this is a tattooed um, slave chain. And I started to think to myself, I have two brothers, what would I do if one of my brothers called me and told me he had done this at you know, the white ripe age of about 65? And I started writing down my thoughts and over that weekend, I produced probably the first 25 pages of the book, um, and it just flowed naturally when I realized that I could have as the protagonist this character who is trying to grapple with the changes from corporate America to academia, and this crazy brother who's gotten this ridiculous tattoo at the age of 65. That's what started it all. <laughs> That's why well, that's interesting. It's all I always like to hear what uh, kind of initiates it. That's great, great story. Uh, so Clay, I know that uh, you you've had some great experience and teaching experience in this country in the U.S. as well as in Amsterdam and in Barcelona. So yeah. wh what? Uh, uh, I guess it, uh, how big of a role did that play in in the writing of the book, and what lessons kind of have you learned uh, even from your students? That's an interesting question because um, my next book, 
which I've already started, takes place in Amsterdam, and you're going to have to wait for a couple of years to have this phone call again. This is going to take me that long to do it. I'll I'll be here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I found very stark, um, interesting differences between the schools in Europe and the schools in the United States. And let me give you a couple of examples. In Holland, which of course is very small, very interesting country, the school system is all state supported. So the average semester cost for a Dutch college student is about $1,500, all in. And Mm -hmm. that's the good news. And in some ways, it's the bad news because the Dutch students end up taking an average of about six years to get through the four-year undergraduate program. And it's because they can afford to do it. And they take long vacations, they take off semesters, because it's perfectly easy for them to come up with the $1,500 for the semester. Right. Uh, I found that the Dutch students are far less anxious to talk in class than American students. And my classes at SMU typically have about 20% from Texas, 30% from California, another 10% from St. Louis and Chicago, and the rest are spread out all over the East Coast and the rest of the world. And I found at SMU, even those international students are far more likely to speak up in class than the Dutch students are. Why this is, I am clueless, um, <laughs> but I've been there repeatedly to teach, and it's been the same every time. In Spain, I found the students to be very anxious to have a relationship outside the classroom where they can talk about their plans and their hopes for the future and how can I possibly get a job in America. They're all very anxious to do that, whereas in the United States, after the class is over, the students pretty much leave and and go about their way with their contemporaries. So those are some of the differences I see. And and how how did that play into your writing of the book, or is that just kind of just the book writing? Yeah. Um, all the classes take place at a university in Dallas called Sutherland University, mm-hmm. and it looks an awful lot like SMU, but it's Sutherland University. And uh, I do not incorporate anything from the international classes, and that's in the next book to come. That's great. Well, I look for, I look forward to talking to you then when that comes out as well. So, um, uh, so we'll mention this again, but uh, tell our listeners how they could uh, uh, learn more or get get the book. I mean, well, what it. it's commercial time, so go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I had I, I had concluded the thought. I, I think. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so how, how would our listeners um, uh, get, you know, be able to get the book? I know you could go to Amazon. What other, what other means can they uh, uh, get the book? And uh, tell us the name of the book again. The book is called Heels Overhead, and it is available at Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Uh, Target has it online. 
and the publication date is February 7th. And mm-hmm. for those of you in the audience that are from Dallas, we're going to have an event at the Barnes & Noble on Mockingbird on February 7th from 5 o'clock to 7, and then at the Barnes & Noble um, on Preston on Saturday, February 11th from 2 o'clock to 5 o'clock. Uh, the Target and Amazon have uh, set the date to ship the books uh, as February 8th. So they can, pre- they can go online and pre-order it. Yes, and we, we've been very pleased with the number of pre-orders that we have gotten, um, and you will get notification back from Amazon Target once you order of exactly when you will, you will get delivery. Or if you're in Dallas, you can come to the Barnes & Noble. The books are currently available at those two Barnes & Noble in uh, Dallas. Great. I also understand you have a website as well. Um, yes, it's claysmall.com. And in that website, there's a blog section that has, I think, some interesting articles. One of the articles is about time I spent with Michael Jackson uh, <laughs> when I was signing him up for a contract with Pepsi-Cola, and I spent the night in his uh, bedroom um, watching TV. Uh, <laughs> another is a piece that I did in November um, called It Must Be the Bikes, which is a tongue-in-cheek piece on the cultural difference between Americans and the Dutch, which was published in um, Dutch News NL in Amsterdam. They picked it up and published it. And the Michael Jackson article, by the way, was uh, published in the Dallas Morning News. That's interesting. Very interesting. That that could be an interview uh, in and of its own right there. <laughs> it was pretty wild. And it was at a point in time with Michael that he was the most famous person in the world when I spent those days with him. Sure. That's, that, that's great. All right, good. So uh, I got just... Time for one last question, all right, and then we'll have to uh, wrap it up here. So just any words of wisdom you have to our listeners? Not only, obviously, we'd like them to go get the book. They could go to claysmall.com, go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, but just any words of wisdom for those that uh, uh, maybe you've brought the idea up to them to write their own book, or maybe they've been thinking about it, but any any advice, just overall? Yes, and again, I said this before, but I think it's worth saying again, Frank, is that at our age, you've had a lifetime of experiences. And roll through those experiences and set aside in one sentence or two sentences something about those experiences and think how they might weave into a story. And I guarantee you, everybody's got a story. It's just a question of, can you get organized? And do you have the discipline to set time aside to get the story on paper? Great, great. Clay Small, check it out. Heels Overhead uh, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target. Uh, Thanks so much for joining us, Clay, and uh, love to have you back when that next book is written. Great. Well, thank you very much. 
Thanks for joining us, and uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us in the Aging Boomers. Just be safe out there, and we'll talk to you all soon. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.